as an adult when you are afraid or you have that moment of panic or something happens that's unexpected, that even as an adult, we struggle with what to do in situations. So imagine what that would be like for a child who's maybe even never considered, you know, it never occurred to me that I could get separated from my parents at the zoo. Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today I'm talking with Jill Getz, the owner and early child education specialist at Savvy Parents Safe Kids, a company with the mission of helping parents learn how to talk with their kids about safety and their safety needs. Jill walks us through how to bring up conversations around safety, specifically the topics of consent and personal advocacy and learning how to listen to intuition with our kids. This is an important topic for parents of all children, but because some differently wired kids can be especially vulnerable since they don't read social situations or social cues as well, helping them foster these skills is an important part of their development. Jill also walks us through the super 10 rules for safety, which are 10 simple but important rules we can share with our children to help them stay safe and secure. What I love about these 10 rules is they can be shared and reinforced with our kids in a way that feels positive and not scary or overwhelming. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And before I get to the show, a short reminder, if you're not already signed up for our Differently Wired 7-Day Challenge, I would love for you to join us. When you sign up for the challenge, you'll get an email every day for seven days featuring a tweak you can make in your day-to-day life to change the way you think, feel, and experience raising your differently wired child. You'll also get a downloadable workbook to use as you go through it, and you'll be invited to a closed Facebook group just for people who've gone through or are currently doing the challenge. Oh, and it is also free. So if you want to join us, you can sign up online at tiltparenting.com slash seven day. And now let's get on with the show. Hey, Jill, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Debbie. It was actually Amy Lang, who we had on a couple months ago now to talk about sex education, who kind of reminded me of the great work that you guys are doing through Savvy Parents Save Kids. And I thought, oh, I have to bring you on the show to have this conversation. So there's a lot that we can get into. But before we start talking specifically about your work, could you just take a minute to tell us a little bit about your background, you know, who you are, what you do, how you got into doing this work? Sure. So I started out as a child development major. And my focus was always working with children and families. So, you know, I enjoyed time as a preschool teacher. I worked as a center director and, you know, kind of fought through the challenges of accreditation and keeping up with licensors and working through kind of all of the politics around some of those things. After I got my master's in education, um, administration and supervision, actually went on to become an administrator for a, a local school, a, pr- a private local school that had a, a K through eight program. And I enjoyed that for quite a long time until I had my own son. And then I was home for a few years and just kind of looking for what is the next thing going to be? You know, am I going to stay home with him? Is there something I can do from home? 
And at the time, I found myself working for an online startup. And through that online startup, came in contact with Amy Lang at Birds, Bees, and Kids, and also came in contact with Kim Estes, who is the founder of Savvy Parents Safe Kids. And she and I just connected right away. And we had a lot of fun and all phone conversations were three times as long as they should have been (laughs) to answer little conversations or, or little tidbits or little questions. And so at some point I found myself ready to maybe look for something outside of my home and outside of my own family again. And um, Kim stepped right up and said, hey, you should be, you should be teaching classes. You should be sharing, you know, everything that Savvy Parents Safe Kids has to share with other people and, you know, just really letting me know how that was right in line with my passion for working with children and families. And so I've been here for three years now and just really enjoying that during the day I'm home with my son and I'm answering emails and I get to do podcasts like this or pop down to the local news station. And then at night I, I head off and I teach some classes. So it's been, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. That's great. How old is your son? He's five. So we are, we're doing the dance with kindergarten starting ah, next year. Excellent. Well, good luck with that. Uh, I remember those years. <laughs> He's going to be fine walking out the door the first day and I will be, I will be devastated. Yeah. (laughs) And the devastation just continues as they get older. I wrote a blog post about this the other week that, you know, just watching, sending my son up a mountain when he was going for ski lessons, you know, on a chairlift by himself. The instructor wasn't even, and I was like, oh my God, you're on a mountain. You're very far from me at this point. And I just have to kind of keep fingers crossed that you are capable and ready for this. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, Yeah. Okay. So deep breaths. (laughs) So can you then tell us a little bit about what Savvy Parents Safe Kids is, what the mission for the business is, and what exactly you do, how you serve parents? Absolutely. So Kim Estes is our founder, and she started Savvy Parents Safe Kids in 2006. She just saw that there was a real gap between what our schools were teaching or weren't teaching, as the case may be, and what the needs were for to educate our children to keep themselves safe. And so, you know, it was just kind of that idea of like, well, stranger danger isn't really going to protect my child. That doesn't teach them anything. I haven't given them any skills. I haven't given them any knowledge. What does it look like? to actually prepare your child so that they can avoid dangerous situations so that they know to trust their own instincts when something makes them feel uncomfortable. How do I practice with my child ahead of time? What if situations for things that could happen to them that are kind of scary? And how do I do that in a way so that they're able to think about it and they're able to scaffold some ideas around that without scaring them unnecessarily. So, you know, we've got a couple of of catchphrases and taglines that we use with parents. And the first one is that safety shouldn't be scary. There are lots of ways we can have safety conversations with our children without absolutely terrorizing them. Mm -hmm. And, And the important thing we tell parents about coming to our class is that it's going to be your child's safety made simple. We're going to give you conversation starters 
We're going to give you games to play. We're going to give you the vocabulary words so that you can very organically, very naturally make safety part of your family culture and have these conversations, you know, in a way that's not awkward and not forced and not really out of the norm for you and your child. When you're talking about safety, are you specifically talking about safety when you're with strangers? Are you talking about physical safety, emotional safety? Like, how do you define that? You know, we start with our preschool parents and our preschool kiddos, and we're talking about body safety and creating that initial concept of consent and those initial ideas of, hey, you have instincts about being safe or being comfortable, and we're going to follow that. And so all of that is kind of teaching ideas for what are conversations we should be having with other adults before our kiddo goes to a play date? What are the rules we're going to give our child for, you know, playing in their own neighborhood or you know, having experiences at the local park or when we go to the store or the zoo. Um, We're going to talk about body safety at home. How are we addressing our private parts? How do we talk about that? What are rules about our bodies and our private parts? Because there are, there's some really hard and fast rules. And then we go from there as our kiddos get older and we're going to, you know, how do those rules change or are they the same if our kiddo goes to a sleepover? What are questions we can ask our children to find out what's going on with them or how they feel about something? How are we going to teach them to use the internet safely? How are we going to kind of be along for that ride with them? What does it look like for our kiddos when bullying starts either at school or online? We know that so much of that is online. You know, as parents, what rules do we need to implement as our child moves into that middle school or that tween phase. And so, you know, a lot of what we're doing, Debbie, really is focused around preventing child sexual abuse. Um, And so we say safety, but, you know, it applies to, to so many different areas of, you know, hey, how do you get yourself out of a situation when you're not comfortable being there anymore? What if this sleepover was supposed to be a fun birthday party celebration, but now there's peer pressure or there's bullying or, you know, kids are watching things I don't want to watch or they're saying things that aren't kind. Um, You know, so it's just a lot of different, a lot of different ideas and concepts behind how are we going to teach our kids to keep themselves safe when we're not there? Yeah, as you're talking about that, it's bringing up a situation that happened during this very same ski lesson. And my child was was gone all day. And when I picked him up, the ski instructor dropped him off where we were staying. And I was waiting for him and he skied up and he's like, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. And he was like in a panic because he had to go to the bathroom. And he like was like trying to whip off his ski boots and like dash into the house. Like he's like, I've never had to pee this bad in my life. And he was kind of a wreck. And after he had taking care of what he needed to take care of. And we were back in in our room. And I said, well, what happened? Did you tell your instructor? And he said, Mm -hmm. yeah, I did several times. But he just said, you know, that we're only going to do two more runs or, you know, kind of brushed him off. And Asher was the only kid in the group. There were four adults in the group and he was the only child. And again, he's 12. And I just had to say in the future, 
know that you can put your foot down and say, you know what, I'm sorry, but I can't wait. I need to go now. Right. And we have to figure something out. And I and I kind of had that moment of like, I've never really taught you this before, that, mm-hmm. that self-advocacy piece and how important it is. So I know that's related to something different, a different topic, but it's still that idea of kids don't kind of come wired to know that their voices deserve to be heard. Exactly. Well, and, and and we share that with parents too. Your child cannot create the answer to a new situation. You know, not not every time can they create the right answer or an appropriate answer. You know, especially when I'm teaching the preschool classes, we joke a little bit about, you know, they've only been around the sun three times. You know, if you lose them in the middle of, of the superstore, they don't know what to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, to think about as an adult, when you are afraid or you have that moment of panic or something happens that's unexpected, that even as an adult, we struggle with what to do in situations. So imagine what that would be like for a child who's maybe even never considered, you know, it never occurred to me that I could get separated from my parents mm-hmm. at the zoo or mm-hmm. Or unlike your son, it will. It never occurred to me that I would tell someone I need to use the restroom, and they would tell me no. Mm-hmm. You know, just like right. I mean, an adult told me no, so I, now I have no further options. Right. And so one of the things we're always encouraging parents to do, little parents and big parents too. You know, even our high school parents play what if games. Ask lots of different what if scenarios around the different things that they could ever possibly experience and especially those safety situations. And you could say that to Asher. Well, what if the next time you're at a ski lesson, you tell somebody you need something and they say no to you? What else do you think you could do? What's your next choice? Mm -hmm. What would you do different next time kind of thing? Yeah, I love what you said that they can't create the answers to a new situation. I mean, they can't. Yeah, they don't even have any context for it. And therefore, they're probably not even thinking of solutions. They're just no. dealing with what is and and right. that's it. Hmm. So interesting. So I want to get into some specifics in terms of some of the tips that you share with parents. You have this great resource called the Super 10, which actually yes. this came across my radar when Asher was probably about five or six. And we used to live in Seattle. And I know that you guys are based in Seattle. And a, fr- yes. a friend of mine, I don't know if she emailed me or gave me a copy and she said, these are some really great tips and good things to talk with your kids about. And so I did print it out at the time and I was like, oh yeah, these are really good. But, you know, and until that point, I don't think I had thought about any of these things. So right. it just n- was not on my radar, but I was wondering if we could kind of walk through this resource because it's something you offer on your website and it's just such practical simple and simple tips, but they're, but they're so important. You know, they, I can see how each one of them would make such a big difference. So could we go through those? Absolutely. And I, and I want to say too, for parents out there listening, the super 10 is something that our founder, Kim Estes worked to create and to share with people working with one of our mentors and her name is Patty Fitzgerald. And she is a wonderful, wonderful children's safety book author. So for anybody listening who's got kids ages 3 to 10, look up Patty Fitzgerald because she's got just great, great safety books that you can share with your kids. 
and it's going to cover the concepts that we are talking about right now in this Super 10. That's great. Thank you. And for listeners, I'll make sure that the links to um, Patty's books are in the show notes, so you don't have to be writing that down right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) So, okay, well, let's dive into this then. I guess just starting with the first one, I am special and I have the right to be safe at all times. And the foundation of this is just you have instincts to keep yourself safe. And if you don't feel safe, I believe you and I honor that. Um, We want our kids to, we want them to listen to their instincts. We want them to know that they're real and we want them to know that their instincts to protect themselves and to keep themselves safe, that's a real thing and and it's important. In your experience, do kids kind of recognize that they have instincts or do we have to show them what they are or give them examples of how to tune into that? You know, my little guy at five, um, and we've been reading these safety books for two or three years now, he hasn't shown me he hasn't shown me that he's recognized it yet, but he's got all the vocabulary around it. And I feel like that's a good first place to start. Mm-hmm. Patty Fitzgerald talks about the uh-oh feeling. And when you have the uh-oh feeling, that's your instincts, that's your own body sending you a warning message. And so my little guy can talk about the uh-oh feeling And he can recognize when somebody else in a story or in a movie, oh, I think maybe they have the uh uh-oh feeling. He's never told me himself that he's having the uh uh-oh feeling, but he's recognizing when somebody else might. Oh, that's so interesting. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary of Gotcha Day when we adopted our sweet Haskell, my cat who acts like a dog, plays fetch, and who I'm pretty sure has sensory processing differences. Are you getting a new pet soon? That means you'll need to think about getting the necessities like food, toys, a bed. Something you may not be thinking about, though, is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. There's so much more to maintaining a healthy gut microbiome than eating a balanced and healthy diet, travel, certain medications, and of course, something many of us have plenty of in our daily life, stress, are just some of the other factors that can totally throw off our systems. Enter Ritual. They created Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. 
Their supplement includes two of the world's most clinically studied probiotic strains to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gas, and diarrhea. I like Symbiotic Plus because it delivers all this goodness in one single nested minty delayed-released capsule designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract. And because the capsules don't require refrigeration, I just keep them on my desk so that I get that helpful visual cue every morning. Plus, they're easy to bring with me when I travel. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. I think it's one of those things too. And now I'm remembering an Oprah episode I saw so many years ago, probably when I was in high school or college, but about how a lot of women in particular tend to ignore their own uh uh-oh feelings because we want to be polite or we don't want to offend someone. And so I imagine you have to kind of also help parents reconnect with their own inner voices too. Exactly. When I go in and when I talk to, I do like a lot of morning mommy groups and the moms in particular, they're just like, oh, I know, I know, I'm, but I, you know, I'm always so concerned that I'll hurt someone's feelings or that I'll offend them or that someone won't like me or that they'll think, they'll think I'm this or that or the other. And um, one of the big things we tell parents, and I've been saying for years, is like, hey, here's the deal. Now that you're the parent, here's the deal. I am willing to be awkward. I am willing to embarrass myself. I am willing to say something uncomfortable if it will save my child from experiencing uncomfortable, mm-hmm. awkward, or embarrassed. I will say that thing so that they don't have to have that experience. That's what being a parent is. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I will ask the embarrassing safety question so that my child will be safe. And so, yeah, for women especially, we've got to overcome that. We've got to stop worrying about. What does, what do other people see and what do other people think when they look at me? Uh, You know, look at your child and what do they see? What do they think? Mm -hmm. That's got to be the focus when we're trying to keep them safe. Yep, absolutely. Great. Okay, well, let's keep, we've actually covered two of the super 10. um, But uh, (laughs) let's keep going down the list. What's next? You've got to know your name, address, phone number, and caregivers' names. Obviously, I don't expect your two-year-old to rattle off their street address, but we can start learning phone numbers, you know, when our kiddo is three. Um, We know that they can memorize and sing a million nursery rhymes, and they can learn a phone number the same way, too. So, you know, I always tell parents, when you're in the car, practice singing that that phone number back and forth to them from the front seat, and they'll get it pretty quickly. Mm, That's a great idea. Just put it to music. Music is the key. Makes so much sense. I brought home our preschool evaluation on my son just this morning and sure enough, checked off the box for, I know what city I live in. I know mom and dad's first and last names and they're on the form. Teacher wrote down my phone number. So yeah, he's got it. That's impressive. I was excited. I was, it was a proud mommy moment. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know that my child knows my phone number. So that's okay. So I have some work to do. Okay, let's keep we'll talk about that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Let's keep going. What's the next one? I never go anywhere or take anything from someone I don't know. Mm. And it doesn't need to be frightening. Gifts are so exciting. If you get a gift from somebody, 
please make sure mom and dad are there when you open it because we want to see what you got too. Right. It's just how you how you have these conversations. And at the same time, as they get a little bit older, we're going to tell them, which is the next one down. You know, I always check first to get permission before I go anywhere or get into a car, even if it is with someone I know. Um, we break that one down with our older kids. And it's even if you've gotten a ride with them before, you have to ask every time. Mm. Even if you've gone into their house before, you have to ask every time. And Debbie, this is because we know that 93% of the time children are being sexually abused. It's because it's somebody that's very well known to them. Right. So that's why we're telling our children, every time you get a ride, you have to ask. Every time you go into someone's home, you have to ask. We have to make sure we know where they are all the time. We have to make sure that there's intention all of the time, just so that you know, we're, we don't find ourselves in, there, in that situation where we find out that our child has been abused by someone that's known to them because we weren't necessarily paying attention. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like the way these are phrased, too, and just the way you explain talking to your child about it. You don't have to say what could happen. You just say, these right. are, this is what we do. These we always need to know where, roles. yeah, we need to know where you are. We need to know who you're with. And that's how we stay stay connected and keep our family safe. And that's our value and just leave it at that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and that's it. Safety doesn't have to be scary. We can teach you family safety rules. We can create a culture uh, of safety for our family, but it doesn't have to involve terror. Right. Okay, great. Let's keep going then. Number five, my bathing suit areas are private. Um, we do teach parents, you know, absolutely use correct anatomical terms. A couple different reasons for that. Number one, there's nothing shameful about your body. You know you've got elbows. You know you've got a forehead. You know you've got toes and knees. Let's go ahead and name everything because we know ch- as children get older too, there's going to be lots of nicknames and there's a lot of there's a lot of fun in childhood <laughs> revolving around body parts. But we want to make sure our children know the names to all of their anatomies because um, one of the ways that predators do come at our children is using really, really cutesy nicknames for for our private parts. And so we want to make sure that children aren't misled. Um, we want to make sure they know exactly what someone's intentions are and what they're talking about. And we follow this up with kind of like the next, the second part of this rule or how we would go deeper with this rule is to say that there are no such thing as games where people show each other their private parts and there's no such thing as games where people touch each other's private parts. Mm-hmm. And we just want to make sure that they have that full yeah. um, and complete understanding of, you know, your body is private. And we can talk about, you know, how moms and dads will sometimes help us in the bathroom or the bathtub or getting dressed. And that if we go to the doctor, the doctor might look at our body and the, and the doctor might look at our private parts, but that mom and dad are there when the doctor is doing that. So we want to be explicit and clear with them. And, and, you know, depending on what that looks like for your family system, whether there's other caretakers or there's other relatives in the home, but just to make sure that children understand no games where we look at private parts and no games where we're touching private parts. That's all you need to know. Right. Exactly. Yes. Great. Because they're private. Private. End of story. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Let's keep going down the list here. Number six, I don't have to be polite if someone tries to bully me into doing something that makes me feel uncomfortable or scared. And this kind of goes back to um, that situation with your son where 
he told somebody what he needed or what he wanted and kind of got shut down. And so we want to, as our kids get older, just reinforce this idea, even if it's a relative, even if it's someone you love, even if it's an adult, which kind of leads into number seven, it's okay to say no. You know, we don't have to do things that we don't want to do if it makes us feel uncomfortable. And our children are going to get a little older and they're going to want to argue with us. I don't really want to unload the dishwasher. (laughs) I don't really feel like going to school today. Mm -hmm. And all of that is normal. But we're really talking about, you know, is somebody trying to get you to break a family safety rule? Is somebody trying to get you to do something that feels unsafe? Is somebody asking you to do something that, you know, mom and dad would say no? Um, So we want to make sure that they know it's okay to say no, even if you're telling an adult no. Right. And I imagine, you know, you start with teaching these when kids are really young. And I, my experience with Asher and with other kids that I know is when they're young, they tend to be very kind of rule based and, you know, yes. Yes. And and so I imagine that if you really reinforce these concepts over and over as they're younger, when they get older, it doesn't feel like you're kind of trying to oppress them, but it's more that this is, it's just part of who they are. It's kind of weaved into their their internal value system. And that's why we tell parents so much easier to start when they're little. You know, because I mean, very small children in preschool, when you give them a new concept, they always kind of think about it. And they're like, okay. So, you know, it's so much easier to have this conversation and lay this foundation when they're really young and pliable and, you know, accepting of things that mom and dad tell them without wanting to argue or debate. Right. Exactly. Great. So number eight, I don't keep secrets, especially from my caregivers. What we're asking our adults and caregivers to do here is to remove the word secret from your family vocabulary list. You can use surprise. It might be a a surprise at a present or a surprise at the holidays or we're going on vacation and it's a surprise or I've made you something and it's a surprise which is great. In the end, everybody always knows what the surprise is and everybody's happy about it. And we can also tell kids that something is private. You know, it's very private that auntie and uncle aren't going to be married anymore. That's not something that we're going to talk about with the neighbors right now. Or, you know, it's very private that daddy hasn't doesn't have a job right now. That's not something that um, we're going to share with our friends at school. That's just a private topic of conversation that, that we'll have at home. Um, but we want to make sure our kids kind of know the difference. They are absolutely going to have secrets with their little friends. Having secrets is totally part of childhood. We just want to make sure that we haven't given them this idea that adults and children keep secrets together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I and imagine it's also parents not keeping secrets from each other or, mo- you know, so they're modeling that yes. same behavior. That's just not what exactly. we do in our family, period. Exactly. Our family is transparent. Our family is honest. Our family tells each other what's going on. So, yeah, and, you know, and there's. There's ways where this is going to be so amazing and so helpful as your kids become teenagers. Mm, Yeah, I can imagine. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. 
That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone, our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com club. That's tiltparenting.com club. I hope to see you on the inside. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Great. Okay. So what is, what is the last one that we have not covered here? We have not covered. I always take a buddy and know what to do if I ever get lost. And the getting lost concept is a big one for parents. Mm -hmm. You know, that fear of like losing your child in, in the mega store or losing your child, you know, in the large outdoor park. So, you know, as children get older and they want to use the restroom by themselves or they want to, you know, place their own order at the restaurant or whatever that is, we're going to encourage them to take a buddy. But when they're little, we have to start talking about what to do if they ever get lost. Mm -hmm. And the really easy way to do that is to play a what if game, but remove them from the equation. And so, you know, with your two-year-old or your three-year-old in the cart at the grocery store, you could play the what if game with them and say, what if grandma came to the grocery store with us today, but she couldn't find us? What do you think grandma should do? And basically, it's just this great way to get the wheels turning. But we haven't, you know, looked into their little face and go, what do you think you should do if you ever get lost in the grocery store kind of thing, you know, and your child's like, what, I'm going to get lost in the grocery store. <laughs> so it's just this great way to kind of you know, get those gears turning and get them to start to think about, oh, well, I, I never thought about that. What should someone do if they couldn't find their family in the grocery store? You know, oh, it's so busy. We're at the park today. What if uncle had come to the park with us today, but he couldn't find us? What mm -hmm. do you think uncle should do? Mm -hmm. And so just to move through those what if scenarios around getting lost so that they know 
gosh, if I ever get lost, I need to just hold still and stay in one place. And I should look around for another family with kids and ask them for help. Mm-hmm. But they don't know to do that unless we've given them those options and given them that help and given them that guidance for, hey, this is what you can do to fix. You know, this is kind of like a problem solving equation. Oh, the problem is you cannot find me for a minute. The solution is hold still, ask another family with children for help. So it's it's a lot of problem solving when we're talking about safety. Yeah. And that whole idea of losing a child, I know you said that's a big one. And it certainly is for me. It's kind of the thing I would wake oh, up in the middle case of. Worst scenario, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And I still, I mean, that is the, out of all of these, I don't know that I'm doing a good job on them, although I intend to start now. But, um, <laughs> but the, the one about what would you do if you get lost? You know, we travel a lot. So we're often in new cities, often yeah. teaming or with tourists. Airport. Yeah. Yeah. That's, exactly. Yes. And so I, yes. I often will just say, okay, it's very busy. Stick close to me. But what are you going to do again if we get separated? And yes, sometimes he remembers, sometimes he doesn't. So it's good yeah. to keep asking the question and make sure that you reinforce what that plan is. Exactly. Awesome. Well, this, I mean, this is such a great resource and. Thank you for walking us through it. And and for listeners, definitely grab this. It's a lovely download, PDF download that you can grab from the Savvy Parents Safe Kids website. And I encourage you to start start working with it. I have one question. I know we're, I want to be conscious of time, but yes. I wanted to just ask, I know that you don't specialize in working with differently wired kids or parents who are raising differently wired kids, but that I also know that you have worked with or addressed groups of these parents. So in your experience, have you kind of come up across any special considerations or concerns from parents or just extra things that we should keep an eye out for? Absolutely. And, you know, as as we talk with parents, as I talk with different groups, as I'm talking with, you know, specialists or people who work in the area, we're very aware of and very mindful of the fact that children who are who are maybe, you know, we talk about neurotypical or neuro neurodivergent, um, but differently developing children are absolutely they're at risk and um, that, you know, and they are a, a soft target and they are very vulnerable. And we're going to use a lot of the same safety ideas. I understand, you know, some children cannot read social cues, or maybe your child is nonverbal. Um, so there, there are going to be different things that we're doing. You know, maybe we're going to use visual cues to support a verbal message. We're not going to use abstract concepts. Instead, we're going to use very simple concepts as we're teaching these things. Most importantly, we tell parents is don't just take someone else's word for it when they're telling you that the people working with your child have a background check. Don't just take their word for it that an environment is safe or anything else like that. You know, unfortunately, parents just have to be extra vigilant and extra diligent in following up those people that are working with your children and that are having hands-on access to your children. Any interactions that they're having with your child really need to be in an observable environment. And we really encourage parents, make unannounced visits. Drop in on occasions when they're not expecting you. This is a great way you can signal to the people working with your children 
I'm paying attention and I'm involved. We also want to make sure that, you know, field trips are really great, but we we don't suggest parents and families do that if they aren't also able to attend. Uh, You know, anytime an adult is offering to take your child somewhere without you, that's a red flag. That's a warning sign. I'm sorry, Debbie, like there's so much. I'm like, well, I'm like, what else? Where else could I go? No, no, this is great. I mean, it's just so many things to think about. But I think I, I think they're important things that, you know, just to kind of to be aware of. And I, you know, just going back to that idea of really helping these kids learn to tune into their inner voice. And yes, a lot of differently wired kids do struggle with reading those social skills. And so, you know, a lot of us are already doing extra work around supporting that and learning to read people's faces and expressions and moods and what do you think's going on? And I guess, you know, this is could be weaved into part of that work, just even mm-hmm. reading, reading the energy in a room, guessing somebody's intention, and then also always bringing it back to how do you feel in this situation? Does that make you feel... safe? Does it make you feel concerned? Does it make you feel calm? You know, whatever it is. So it's kind of ongoing work, I imagine. And that's just, you know, and for each child, they need to be taught these safety ideas in the same manner that they are currently best learning in the same manner that they're being taught, you know, their, their other life skills or their school education. And so you know, even if your child is nonverbal, they still may be able to, you know, use a hand as a stop sign when they don't like something that's happening around them. So it's, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, it's a flip book, it's a picture book, you know, whereas your 10 year old might say, you know, no, you can't touch my private parts that we might just ask, you know, a child who's neurodivergent, we might just you could say no, or just that you can make a loud noise or that you can use your stop, you know, your stop sign hand. But it's got to be whatever is already in line with how they're comfortable learning and the way that you see them progressing and developing. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, listen, um, before we go, where should people go to, to get in touch with you or learn more about the work that you guys are doing? Thanks, Debbie. They can come to our website, which I know you'll include, the Savvy Parent Safe Kids website. They can find us on Facebook. Um, We do a lot of interacting on Facebook. Parents will send us news articles wanting to know what do we think about this, or we will post up a news article with a safety tip. You can reach us there. And from the website as well, you can directly email us. So if you have a question, if you need resources, if you're looking for materials, contact me directly. I would love to help support, walk along, be involved in any way, shape, or form. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Jill, so much. This has been really insightful, important information. And I'm grateful that you were able to share it with our listeners today. Thanks again. Thank you so much for for giving me a chance to to share this. And I eat and sleep and breathe and live (laughs) and what you know, whatever we can do for our kids, whatever, whatever makes one child safer. So I'm just overwhelmed that you gave me a a chance to run my mouth today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including links to the Savvy Parents Smart Kids website, where you can download a copy of the Super 10 Rules for Safety, visit the show notes page at tiltparenting.com session 58. 
And lastly, here's my weekly pitch to ask you to leave an honest review or rating for the podcast on iTunes. It only takes a minute and it really helps us get more visibility in the crowded podcast space. And if you'd like to join our awesome supporters by making a small contribution to our Patreon campaign, which helps to fund some of the production costs associated with this podcast, visit patreon.com slash tilt parenting. Thanks again for listening. For more information on tilt parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.